I'm Julie. I'm Kristen. I'm Kate. And welcome to Topical Island. Each week, one of us will deep dive into a topic that interests us. Have you ever wondered how to become a Disney princess? Is diva behavior acceptable? And what does it have to do with the opera? Will we get to work from home forever, ever? Join us as we answer these questions and more. As each week, we will take you to a different topical island. Hey guys, welcome to another Tropical Island. How are you? I'm doing great, Kristen. Kate, what have you been up to this week? Uh, You know, before I even sat down here, um, I was really thinking hard. And I can say with confidence, I don't think I have anything of interest to talk about. So uh, let's just move on. Julie, how are you doing this week? (laughs) (laughs) Can I do that? I feel like that's got to be fair. If I don't have anything of interest, nobody wants to hear me blab. So that's a pass from Kate. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny because my little nugget is I have revisited the movie the Eurovision Song Contest, the Fire Saga story for the first time since the beginning of COVID. Go back and watch it. Man. And I will shamelessly say, I love every piece of music in that movie. As cheesy and terrible as it is, I love it. I know most of the words. I listen to the soundtrack and I love it. And I heard... Two of the songs have been nominated for Academy Awards. Oh, well, really? We'll find out tonight, I guess. Because that's guess the Academy so. Awards tonight. Yeah. So cute. Kristen, so cute. Did, did you have anything more exciting than Pass and watching the Eurovision Song Contest <laughs> movie happen this week? <laughs> I was going to talk about something I just watched as well, which was I was I was doing that scrolling through Netflix forever kind of thing. And so I had to switch over to my Telus. And I found this movie that I had seen in my childhood that I just loved. And it's called The House, or not The House Sitter. Did you guys see that one with Steve Martin and Goldie Hawn? Oh, I've heard of it, but I can't remember it. But it certainly seems familiar. It was the one where um, she meets him at one point and he, he had asked this lady to move into like this dream house. He's an architect and he had asked her to move in and marry him. And she said no. And then he told the story to Goldie Hawn and she went and moved into the house um, <laughs> without, without him. And then permission. pretended to be his, yeah. And then pretended like told everyone in town that she was his wife and stuff like that. And it was just the cutest. Movie. And I, <laughs> and I, yeah, it was so funny. And the funny thing was that I know how young I was when I first watched it, because one of the first scenes is they actually sleep together. And he basically <laughs> comes to her house afterwards and he was like, can I stay over? And she's like, yes. And then she's like alone in bed in the morning. And as a child, did not understand. <laughs> I realized that that one aspect, like I remembered everything about the movie, and I, I must have just thought, well, he just slept over, like that. That's nice. So, anyways, yeah, that just goes over. to show you how how old it old it was. But I would. It's just so funny to watch those old movies because I just I love them. Sometimes they don't hold up. Like sometimes the jokes are you know a little distasteful or whatever. But it's just yeah. so funny how people look so normal back in the day. You know, like in movies, you didn't have not every single person was done up perfectly all the time. Like it, it mm-hmm. just is so different. Yes. It's refreshing. Mm -hmm. And I think it actually has allowed the movies to be, to look less dated. I have a feeling that these highly stylized movies now are going to look dated so much faster because everybody's like in the high fashion. And that's not how we all dress. We kind of dress similarly to the way we did, you know, give or take, like belt, like the 
skinny jeans versus flared jeans, um, we're kind of dressing similar. Yeah. No, I totally mm-hmm. agree. Yeah. I love to check out an old 90s movie. Uh, someone informed oh, me that it, the 90s are in, which I didn't even know, but oh, there you yeah. go. Have you tried to buy jeans? Well, haven't oh, you seen people walking? What do you mean you haven't noticed 90s are in? I've seen, <laughs> you know, 12-year-olds wearing, you know, quote-unquote mom jeans that no mom would wear this day and age. But they were all the rage in the in the 90s. Yeah, I, I guess I don't. I'm, I, I'm still too close to the 90s to think of it as an era, but... Oh, well. <laughs> oh, it was an era. Anyways, I feel like let's just head right on into Julie's topic today. Where are we heading, Joel? Well, this is perfect because um, what I want to talk about today is what happens to your clothes when you donate them. And it's so timely that um, we're talking about how we dress and, you know, you hear so much about fast fashion. and. Mm. I don't know about when you guys were growing up. I'm not going to say that my mom made a large number of my clothes, but it wasn't out of the question that she would make like a Halloween costume or a grad something dress. long. Oh, yes, that's right. My grade six grad dress. Yes. Um, my grade 12 grad dress. Yeah. Kate, you, you sewed oh. yours, right? Yeah. Well, and... I mean, I helped. My mom <laughs> okay. sewed mine. Let's be realistic. <laughs> but if you were to make your own clothes today, it would be exceptionally expensive buy mm-hmm. fabric to buy notions oh. is very very expensive even like I replaced a zipper on my daughter's coat even just to do that I almost may have well have bought a new coat like if you're looking at like Walmart prices it's it's crazy so it actually financially it seems to sometimes make more sense to buy new than to like refurbish or fix up the clothes we have And because our clothes are so cheap to begin with, they just don't last that long. So the volume of clothing that we throw away has Mm -hmm. now doubled in the last 20 years. Really? Yeah. So from 7 million tons to 14 million tons. Wow. And that's just in the US. Oh my goodness. But at the same time, I feel like that's a large portion of fast fashion. Mm -hmm. And think about all the clothes in your closet right now that maybe let's call them inactive clothes, Mm -hmm, the ones mm -hmm. that aren't in the regular rotation, right? Um, So we also just have clothes sitting. They may not be in a landfill yet, but they're just kind of sitting waiting. (laughs) Um, And textiles in general have one of the poorest recycling rates of any reusable material. And the EP estimates that 84% of all textiles will just go straight into the trash. Really? When you consider something like cardboard or glass, it's actually well above the majority that gets recycled. Hmm. And those things are somewhat easier to recycle. They're like less energy required because they're more like cardboard. You wet it down, you shred it up, and you can turn it back into cardboards and papers. Whereas when you consider the dyes and the multitude of of fabrics that are in are especially like polyester type clothing, like that all has to be kind of picked apart if you wanted to like reuse the fibers themselves. So what happens when you donate your clothes? So I was curious, do I have either of you done consignment? No, but I mean, so I donate to places like Goodwill, Value Village, Women in Need, you know, those those charities that for nicer or business type attire, they will they use them for their clients. Uh, but never consignment. I 
feel like the majority of my stuff that I donate is not nice enough to be used. <laughs> That's my fear. When you said that, I was like, I am so scared that they're just, I'm just going to give them a bag of stuff and they'll be like, well, you can take all of this back, ma'am. <laughs> ma'am. I mean, <laughs> and that could happen. I mean, the way consignment <laughs> works, it's, it's you, you know, you take it to the consignment place and they kind of either at that time offer you a certain amount of money for it or wait until it's sold and then you potentially get a piece of the mm-hmm. money that was made on it. So mm-hmm. consignment is is that and that's how consignment works. But when you donate to Goodwill, Value Village, um, those bins that you see in parking lots, they don't necessarily go on racks in clothing stores in Canada. Hmm. In fact, it's incredibly rare that that would happen. Really? So we're, yeah. So what's happening to them is they are getting bundled up and sold to tech, global textile merchants. If you had, if you did have something really nice, my recommendation would be go do consignment because then you know where it's going. If but if you're okay with it going somewhere and not doesn't matter to you, then do exactly as you say. Give it to Goodwill, put it in a bin, and it'll go to textile merchants. And so what they do, for example, like the Diabetes Association, where they have those bins. And be careful that they're branded appropriately because there are some bins that are just by for-profit companies, which I don't know if that's a bad or a good thing, but just something to be aware of if you think you're doing something altruistic, that sometimes those bins, they're just being sold to textile merchants. They have nothing necessarily to do with a charity. Hmm. So it goes to these textile merchants and what do they do? So a textile merchant buys these clothes, pays either Goodwill or Canadian Diabetes Association or the, you know, generic box company. And that's kind of the end of their transaction. Wait, can I just, can I pop back yeah. on something? Yeah. So women in need, for example, they have like a store a for store. women in need. So, so what, so some of your clothes could, could. go into that store, but percentage yes. doesn't? Okay. Yes. The vast majority doesn't. And in, you know, when Kate was talking about how they kind of are, picking and choosing. So they're probably going to pick some of the higher priced, really in good shape items. And those will stay in the like Goodwill stores and in the women in need. And certain, and I would suggest that if you are, if you have a higher priced item and you don't want to consign it, but you want it to stay locally, you could Mm -hmm. look for something like where they're looking for specific items. So when they're looking for Mm -hmm. winter coats, um, Mm, certain times a year, you see that donate to those because that is for uh, local in need people looking for those higher priced items. And and that makes sense. Especially when you consider, as I was saying, like so much stuff is relatively cheap to buy, especially compared to in previous times Mm -hmm. like we spend for sure we can choose to spend a lot less on clothes now than we did 20 30 years ago percentage wise our income okay Mm. so the textile merchants so one of the places that your bailed up clothing could go is to what are called bend over markets and imagine a developing nation where, and they're called bend over because basically the clothing and shoes, textiles will be just kind of put on the ground and people bend over to pick through and and purchase these um, secondhand items. Mm -hmm. Really? So yeah, the problem with that, I mean, although it provides uh, inexpensive clothing and and, and shoes to um, developing nations is that that has a 
big impact on local local textile manufacturers, mm-hmm. local cobblers or clothing mm-hmm. makers. To the extent that countries like Rwanda, Kenya, Tanzania, and Uganda are seeking to ban clothing imports entirely to protect their local businesses. Wow. Are these people like the textile merchants or whoever brings them in? Is that like an international, like I'd be coming as a foreign country, foreigner to these countries to do, to deliver? Basically. Yeah. So um, you're an individual, you probably have a warehouse in somewhere like Canada or the United States where this massive amount of clothing is coming in. You're doing like an industrial clean of it and Mm -hmm. then you're bailing like with like together and then shipping it in sea containers to buyers overseas who then do these bend over markets. Big money industry. There is actually a decent amount of money involved in this. Yeah. And to the point where I was reading some articles where in places like New York City, individuals are setting up their own little box donation bin boxes and it's Mm -hmm. incredibly competitive. They're trying to get your textiles. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. interesting. Um, so that's one of the locations where your text, your old clothing may go. The other, and a pretty common way <laughs> where it goes, is that once it's been industrially cleaned in these warehouse settings, it's then shred up and turned into filler for mattresses, carpet padding, or scrap rags. Oh, that all of a sudden it makes a lot of sense why I had like little strips of random fabric that I pulled from my new couch when we bought it five years ago. Yeah, oh, it was great potentially stuffed I, with your own t-shirts you donated. Oh, well, I'm sitting here already with my head in my hands because I've I donate I've donated so much. I've done more than one purge over the course of this pandemic, and. A part of me knew that you're only prolonging the inevitable by passing it on to what you think is a, a you know, charitable organization or not, not even th- those, you know, Valley Village is very much for profit or, but I've, now I just feel bad. You hold, about hold on to your clothes forever. <laughs> just hoard your own clothes. Well, the thing is. And this is a bit of a side note, but like there have there have already been pieces of clothing that I've gotten rid of that I now go through my closet and I'm yes. like, hey, where is that? And I'm like, oh, you're kidding me if I got rid of that. Like I'm so yeah, mad totally. at myself. And to think that it ended up in somebody's <laughs> couch, like shredded. Yeah. Um, and it's not like my cushions were stuffed with these shreds. It was just like I pulled the cushions out and it was like this random shred shreds of material that had nothing to do with the the yeah. couch. And it, anyway, that's no, that's. That. Totally true. You're right. Because it's like, at least if you think my favorite, not, okay, you're probably not giving away your favorite shirt, but a shirt that I now wish I had, at least someone's enjoying it. But that's always what I tell myself. Exactly. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. (laughs) The good good news is that's the worst part of the story, I guess. (laughs) I hope so. Um, But be aware that's basically the only way that you can quote unquote, recycle clothes. What about some kind of a quilt? (laughs) No, reusing or repurposing. Yes. Yes. Do it on your, you're going to have to do that yourself, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's really interesting because I think my mom recently forwarded me uh, a video. So I think 
a lot of people have obviously this is a big problem and we're creating a ton of waste. Mm-hmm. Um, but the video she sent me and uh, that I watched was about how these trashed clothing, you know, when they get all shredded up, there is a company that's turning them into like eco-friendly building bricks and making furniture out of them. And mm. so, I mean, there are other ways that we can be using all kinds of trash, but I would like to see more of that, I guess. But uh, at the same time, I would like to see us all just not need to buy a $10 tank top every time we think we need a new piece of clothing. Totally. Yeah. No, I was going to say like, just let me know if I'm wrong, but mine is so fast fashion is like more like uh, an H&M, for example. So it's lower quality something mm-hmm. maybe super trendy that pr- you probably won't wear in a year, maybe. Um, yeah. But like not all kind of lower cost clothing is necessarily fast fashion, right? Like so you could buy a piece that, you know, it's not super expensive, but it's it's not going to be out of style slash it's not so, so low quality that you have to get rid of it in the next year or, or it's just going to end up in the landfill. Am I right or am I wrong? You are that right. And right. I- And I think you should probably, we should also be aware of what our clothing is made of. So if you're buying like a inexpensive 100% cotton t-shirt, that's not only going to probably last you longer, but it is more biodegradable. Well, the fact that it is biodegradable um, over something polyester or another synthetic, that Mm -hmm. is not. So, I mean... There is things being done on a small scale. Obviously, these textile merchants, they like, I mean, the fact that it's being used for carpet padding or mattresses or stuffing couches, it makes us sad when we think it is that piece that we regret. I don't know why I just keep picturing this one blazer that I got rid of and the fact that it's now in shreds and in somebody's couch. That blazer could have been so much more. It it could have been one of the lucky ones that got chosen. Yeah, you're right. But Don't try to it, lift my spirits. <laughs> so, um, but you guys are probably aware that companies like H&M and The Gap, who've been accused of being fast fashion, have started mm-hmm. to do more to, like, I believe that at some H&M stores now, you can even return clothing items that you purchase there. And they sort of do a bit of a consignment, um, not mm. true consignment, but they would like give you like a coupon too. So they're looking to do, to do more we're not there yet in H&M's 2016 sustainability report that only 0.7% of the materials used in new clothing has been recycled. And they even have brands that are called kind of recycled, but it's a mm-hmm. very small per- percentage. In the States, less than 1% of clothing is recycled to make new clothing. And again, part of that is just because of the in some cases, the compositions of our clothing, right? It, lots of blends that then even if you start to tear them up, they're not necessarily creating a nice fiber that's reusable. Levi's did their best to create the first 100% recycled cotton jeans. They did still bring in some brand new cotton to weave in and to strengthen it because that's the other thing. Imagine used cotton and other used fibers over time have been worn. And so they're not as strong as they used to be, but um, they're doing their best to get there. And I know Levi's is one of those companies that's done a lot to promote themselves a little bit as moving towards more sustainable, um, even things like dyes and just general reduction of, of energy overall. 
Well, and I would think the clothing companies would be so stressed out by this because basically the only way they make money is if people buy new clothes all the time. So mm-hmm. yeah, like if, if this movement, and you hear about this a lot, you know, I think the popularity of secondhand store shopping and all that seems to be back on the rise. And so unless they convince people they need to keep buying new clothes, I guess having some kind of an environmentally friendly clothes is the only way that they're going to kind of stay in the game. Absolutely. And I think that, yeah, we all remember that we can vote with our dollar for exactly that. I will. So that's sort of the story of what happens to your clothing. It's not necessarily a great story, but it's where it's going. It's a really important one in terms of people being aware that there is no away. When you give something away or throw something away, there is no away. It's landing somewhere and in some cases it will be the landfill and I think it's important for I think everybody should take a field trip to the landfill personally (laughs) because it can be enlightening Mm -hmm. and not necessarily in a good way and the scale of it so I will end on a happy note which was I also donate at Goodwill and I do shop at Goodwill because they have awesome stuff I recommend Mm -hmm. it Um, especially books Oh my gosh. Mm. Nobody buy a new book, please. (laughs) (laughs) Go to Goodwill and buy 10. So I thought that Goodwill was there to serve the public as a way to purchase inexpensive items. But that is not Goodwill's motto. Oh. Hmm. Goodwill aims to employ those with disabilities. And that is their mission. No way. Uh I had no idea. Yes. Neither. So that's the purpose of Goodwill. It's it's not to sell less ex- uh, expensive clothing to the un- less fortunate. That is something that like there that's is a bonus. quite... That's a bonus. The mission of Goodwill is to provide work opportunities, skill development, and employee and family strengthening for those who face barriers such as disability or social disadvantage with the aim of advancing individuals, families, and communities towards self-sufficiency and prosperity. And today, 30% of Goodwill's workforce have self-disclosed as having a disability, which I think is pretty incredible, 30%. Wow, that's amazing. I absolutely love everything about that. Yes. Yeah, and and to think I liked popping into Goodwill before, this just (laughs) really solidifies my patronage, I have to say. That's awesome. And so on their website, they say that 89 cents of every dollar just goes back into the mission. They're not for profit. And they estimated that they have, they as a business have diverted 16 million kilograms from, of textiles from landfills. If only I'd take my blazer. (laughs) No, it's not to say that Goodwill doesn't um, sell to textile merchants and some of the outcome can be the same, but they are making sure that it's not going to the landfill. Excellent. Kate, do you have a picture of you in this blazer? Or do you have a picture <laughs> oh, of this blazer? No, I don't think I do. <laughs> I was like, I really want to see it. I really want the people to see it. But but I'll, I'll look. Okay. I'll look. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, I have to say, I that is just thrilling um, about Goodwill. And, you know, obviously hearing things like that hit me really close to home because I often think of, you know, what are some employment opportunities for, for Tenley and her future. She's, as I've mentioned before on this podcast, she has Rett syndrome and, and will 
have lots to hinder her. Although I would like to add in that me and my friend Nicole recently came up with the perfect job for Tenley because she really likes to rock as a stimulation. And so I bought her one of those, Julie, I think you have the same for Audrey. It's one of those mini version Ikea chairs. Yes. And it's just perfect for her. And she likes to rock in it. And so we just, we've decided, you know, when you walk into Ikea and it's yes, got that machine and that. it's punching the, the chair <laughs> and it tells you how many times it's been hit. And so Nicole's like, well, why don't they just hire Tenley and they can just have a counter going? I was like, it's amazing. So I feel like That's I might awesome. introduce that to Ikea as a job opportunity. I love that. That would be awesome. <laughs> for, really, for anybody who likes to, to rock. <laughs> to rock. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, become slash greeter at Ikea. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you might as well give them a chair if you're yeah. going to be sitting there all day, you know, yeah. greeting. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's the story of where our clothes go. I think I, I will include lots of links in our show notes today because you can really go down the rabbit hole. But yeah, that's basically what's happening when you're putting it in a bin or donating it to Goodwill. So I think lesson here, vote with your dollar, buy good quality. And like Kate said, there is no away. Yeah. I feel like we're like, that was so cool, Julie. And I feel like we're one step further along our progression of becoming a uh, recycling composting podcast. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> there but you go. We'll test it yeah. out. We'll no, test it honestly, out. that, that, give, uh, that gives me a lot to think about. And I have, Absolutely. I feel like I have personally committed because I've done so many purges over the years to really, you know, taking a step back and, and evaluating what I'm buying and yes, investing in those better quality, whether it's, it, and they don't have to be expensive, but usually, you know, stuff that's made locally is just that much better quality. And yeah, um, yeah like you said, vote with your dollar. It's a good way to, it's a good way to change the world. It's true. That's so awesome. Julia, I love how you ended on such a happy note, but Kate, do you have any kind of a good news for us today? Well, I mean, I feel like this has just kind of been a roller coaster of an episode because I really got dragged down at the beginning. And so, no, I don't have a happy story, but I do have a fun fact that I I want to share with you. I feel like, can I make the generalization that and assume that we've all gotten speeding tickets? Have either of you never gotten a speeding ticket? I have got one. You've got one. Julie, that's pretty impressive. I feel like I've had at least a few. Oh, wait. Radar. Nope. I've only oh, been... Radar. <laughs> I've had lots. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> pulled over for speeding once. But lots and then Christian, Christian and I got pulled over once because my license had expired. But other than that, <laughs> I have a clean record. <laughs> Except for all the times you didn't have a clean record. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. True. Okay, so we've all been, we've all gotten speeding tickets is the, is the yeah. point of the story. Yes. To to. So, anyway, so I found this really cool fact about the first person to ever get a speeding ticket. Hmm. Was ever? Ever. So according to the Guinness Book of World Records, the first person to be charged with a speeding ticket happened in the, well, his name was Walter Arnold, and it happened in the English village of Paddock Wood, Kent, on January 28th in 1896. Um, He was spotted going four times the speed limit. Yeah, four times in his 19th century bends. However, 
the speed oh, limit yeah. at the time was two miles an hour. So he was going eight <laughs> miles an hour. <laughs> what? And Sorry, the constable had this? chased him down on his bicycle. Uh, and but him on his bicycle <laughs> and charged him with, apparently this is the first, uh, let's say the first, well, no, they would all be recorded because One I'm assuming assume, the police yeah. would make of records. So this was the first record of a speeding ticket given to a man who was caught up by a bicycle in his car. <laughs> so I thought that was fun. <laughs> that is great. And sorry, yeah. <laughs> I was just so blown away by the concept. The year again? 1896. 1896. Mhm. Yeah. Can you imagine like and you would be driving down like like a horse path because everybody yeah. else has well bicycles, horses. Yeah, lots of bicycles, horses. Huh. Yeah, 19th That's cool. century Mercedes-Benz. I want to google that too. Have you guys all been pulled over for speeding? I'm curious. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I feel like I I feel like I must have been, but the only time that I've been pulled over that pops into my mind is when I was pulled over for drunk driving. Let me continue (laughs) in Australia because I was trying to drive in Australia, (laughs) And and they made the assumption that you were had been drinking. Well, yeah, so the it was because it was just on the edge of dusk. It was and so and I was so I'm already on the opposite side of the car with two friends. And I, you know, you're driving on the wrong side of the road, everything's backwards. And I'm trying to find how to turn the lights on. And so the lights are flashing and the blinkers (laughs) going on and off and the windshield wipers are going. And then all of a sudden we see police lights and I pull over. Anyway, he ended up being a lovely policeman. We had a great time and we, we took a bunch of photos, him giving me a breathalyzer. (laughs) Needless to say, or it should be mentioned that there was no drinking involved um, whatsoever. So (laughs) it was, he, he kind of, he, he thought it was as maybe as funny as we did, but maybe not. I don't know. He, he humored us anyway. There you go. That's awesome. That sounds like the best case scenario. I do have a PSA that we can cut, that we can choose to include or not. But yeah. just a PSA for those who are locals in Calgary that the speed limit is changing on May 1st, 2021 from 50 down to 40 for any area that's where there's no posted speed limit. I Yes, I knew that. But thank you for the reminder because that's like next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By the time this pod is out, they will already have handed out a bunch of speeding tickets for it. There you go. Hopefully this PSA isn't for anybody who's already gotten a ticket. (laughs) And if it is, we'd love to hear from you at topical underscore underscore island on Instagram. (laughs) Don't forget the second underscore. (laughs) Don't forget the second underscore. Well, I think that was just full of information and warnings and PSAs. So ladies, did you find what you were looking for? 